What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. Greatly appreciate everyone for tuning in for today's episode. It's going to be a good one where we're talking about NFL offseason. I'm going to give you three teams who I think have had the best offseason so far and three teams that have had the worst. We're going to dive a little bit into the NCAA tournament here as we've had a lot of upsets in the first few rounds. I'm going to kind of give you some matchups to keep an eye on for tomorrow on both the men's and women's side. And then to close today's show, we're going to be talking about some MLB. I'm going to predict all the standings in both the AL and the NL. So that'll be closing off today's show. If you do not follow me on Instagram, please give me a follow at English Encore Podcast. It would be greatly, greatly appreciated. So starting off with the NFL, you know, free agency is always wild. I've talked about it a few episodes ago, how March is just the best time of the year. You have March Madness going on for both the men and the women. You have NFL free agency, you have lots of trades, you have the draft coming up, um, future, but you know all the mock drafts and stuff are coming out. You have MLB spring training, you have the NHL going on, you have the NBA going on, um, You know tennis, soccer, everything's going on in March. It's great. Um, so I'm just going to go through some of the teams. I'm going to start with the worst teams offseason so far. I'm going to start with the Oakland, excuse me, the Vegas Raiders. Honestly, I just have no idea what John Gruden and Mike Mayock are doing. You know, they added a few nice pieces in John Brown, Yannick Ngakwe, and Kenyon Drake. The Kenyon Drake signing doesn't really make much sense to me because not only did they signed him, but they signed Theo Riddick as well. And they already have Josh Jacobs in the backfield. So to pay Kenyon Drake that kind of money, to me, just makes absolutely no sense considering that they're already struggling you know at the wide receiver position and they could really use some more threats you know John Brown a guy that I know very well just because I'm a Bills fan and I've seen in the past two years um really has some injury issues he's not the same player he was a few years ago um and they pretty much got rid of or cut almost every single person on their offensive line except for Richie Incognito um they moved Rodney Hudson and a lot of other guys they cut Gabe Jackson just a lot of mind-boggling moves by the Raiders um the Chicago Bears I just have no idea what Matt Nagy and them are doing they cut Kyle Fuller today um the cornerback which makes absolutely no sense he's an absolute stud and then you have Andy Dalton who's now apparently their starting quarterback there's been rumors that Khalil Mack wants out um Akeem Hicks is now seeking a trade just mess all the way around for the Bears organization top to bottom I found it kind of strange that Allen Robinson ended up signing uh, his franchise tag so you know that team is just an absolute joke right now the Tennessee Titans are a little bit interesting because I think they actually made a few nice moves because they did sign Bud Dupree and Daniel Autry who are both um, coming off really good years Dupree did get hurt though it's coming off an ACL tear so that'll be a little bit concerning but they got rid of both Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson and then replaced him with Janoris Jenkins they also got rid of Kenny Vaccaro which to me the safeties and the cornerbacks was the strong part of the Titans defense last year considering their, how bad they were um, Jadavion Clowney I don't think he's going to be going back there um, there's rumor that J.J. Watt was going to go there obviously he doesn't sign 
So I just don't really know what the Titans are doing on defense. Their offense is obviously really good. They did lose Corey Davis, who I will touch upon it in a little bit for best offseason. A little hint there. But um, I just really don't know what the Titans' direction is right now. So I don't think they're having a very good offseason at all. Transitioning over to the best offseason and kind of going off that point, as much as it pains me as a Bills fan to say it, but the Jets are honestly having a really nice offseason. Adding Keelan Cole and Corey Davis to their wide receiver room um, is a huge, huge signing, whether they roll at Sam Darnold, Justin Fields, or whoever else they pick, Zach Wilson maybe. But Keelan Cole is really underrated on the Jaguars, uh, a receiver that I really hope the Bills could actually snag. Very good route runner, underappreciated player in the NFL, can do a lot of things um, for an offense. Corey Davis, I think, kind of took that second fiddle to A.J. Brown, obviously, last year. And then, obviously, they have Derrick Henry and Jonu Smith. So, I think him getting added to the offense and being a number one receiver, he's going to have a lot of opportunities. I don't think he's truly a number one. I think he's more of a top-tier, tier uh, wide receiver, too. But I think like it's a good opportunity for them. Bringing back Marcus May on a franchise tag is obviously also a really good move. And then adding Carl Lawson, I think, was the steal of the offseason so far. Carl Lawson is someone that I talked about that I really wanted the Bills to sign. Getting him into that defense with that scheme, I think it could be really, really dangerous, especially with Quinnen Williams going into his second full season now. Or excuse me, third full season. Um, I think that he's going to have a really good year. And I just think that Robert Sala is going to get the best out of that defense overall. And they clearly are making an effort to get wide receivers around whoever their quarterback's going to be. I still think they need to clean up the offensive line a little bit, but the Jets have been doing a really good job. It's hard not to put the Cardinals on here just because they did add Rodney Hudson and traded from the Raiders, added a good kicker in Matt Prater. Definitely a huge upgrade in that position. Getting both J.J. Watt and A.J. Green, players that have dealt with injuries over the past few years, and you know more so A.J. Green than Watt. But if they're both fully healthy, that offense is going to be absolutely dynamic with Green, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, and then, you know, Chase Edmonds, I think, is going to be a real problem in the backfield. Obviously, Kyler Murray is really good at running the football as well. And then J.J. Watt with Chandler Jones, and that defense is going to be only improved. One of the more underappreciated defenses, I think, in the NFL last year was the Cardinals. I think they need to add some cornerback depth now that Patrick Peterson is not there. And then third one, there are a bunch of good teams that made a lot of good moves. I'm going to combine two here. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I know a lot of people are thinking I'm just saying that because, you know, I'm a Bills fan. This is more of a Buffalo podcast when I'm here on Mondays. But I genuinely think that the Bills had one of the better offseasons among the NFL teams. They brought back Matt Milano, Daryl Williams, Levi Wallace, John Feliciano, all huge contributors from them last year. They bring in Emmanuel Sanders, who I think is an instant upgrade over John Brown, can play in the slot and on the outside. is going to really help Gabriel Davis, also his teammates with Cole Beasley in college. You can already tell he's super happy in Buffalo just on his press conference yesterday. And then they also added Jacob Hollister, who was Josh Allen's tight end in college. He's more of a tight end too, but he has a lot of upside. He's very good in the red zone, as you saw in Seattle when he was healthy. He's been dealing with some injuries. And then adding Mitch Trubisky, I think that's an underrated signing. Matt Barkley was an okay backup quarterback, more of a happy-go-lucky guy, kind of just be in the room and create a good atmosphere for Josh. But the Bills are at the point where they need to have a good quarterback as their backup because of the way Josh plays. So adding Mitch Trubisky, especially for under $3 million, I think is huge value. And then the Buccaneers, 
they just brought back all their players and to make another Super Bowl run. Bring back Levante David, Shaq Barrett, Chris Godwin, and Rob Gronkowski. You can't ask for anything more from the Buccaneers, and I'm sure they're still going to add some more pieces, and they're going to add drafted players on top of it. So the Bucs are definitely poised to make another Super Bowl run, and I think the Bills have a chance to go right back to AFC Championship. They still have to knock off the Chiefs, who are also having a decent offseason despite their cap problems. But those three to four teams really stood out for me for having the best offseason so far. Um, transitioning over into the NCAA tournament, before I kind of get into the games and how March Madness is obviously fun, um, something that needs to be addressed that's been widely noted on social media, if you haven't um, seen it yet, please go and look up Men versus Women NCAA March Madness You know this year. And I just don't understand like how the NCAA gets away with treating the women so much worse or you know just not giving them the same benefits as the males and it's honestly just sickening because you see the pictures of what the women are given for their you know March Madness they have this really crappy weight room you know barely any weights not a lot of room the guys have this entire full room all the equipment bench presses lifting everything top to bottom you look at what the women are getting for their food they're getting little containers of food with like meatloaf green beans meanwhile the guys have full buffets of food at their hotels where they're staying at and then you look at just even the swag bags they got and for people that don't know what swag bags are it's stuff we all get and the women get you know a water bottle a pair of socks a couple t-shirts and a towel meanwhile the men get like eight shirts a towel four water bottles socks hats the whole nine yards and i'm understanding that you know we can't lie here and sit and say that the women are bringing in more revenue in the men for the ncaa tournament or a lot of college sports it's just the way it is i don't you know necessarily love that's how it is but that's just the nature of the sporting industry right now at both the college and professional level having said that that doesn't mean that the girls should be treated that much differently especially when it's things off the court such as weight rooms you know facilities just things given to them at tournaments you know championship trophies all that kind of stuff in the promotions like i haven't seen nearly enough women's promoting for their ncaa tournament some of the best tournament games i've watched over the years have been on the women's side whether it's been notre dame south carolina uconn Whoever it may be, like women's basketball is still fun. Maybe it's not to a lot of maybe the listeners that are listening to this podcast right now or just in general, but there are a ton of people out there that like it. And I think it's just an absolute awful job, once again, by the NCAA, not recognizing, you know, they're always saying that it's student athletes and that's why they couldn't get paid and this and that. You know, school comes first, but yet they go out and just completely are one-sided and are always pushing and giving them men stuff compared to the women. So I just think that's something I wanted to touch upon real quick before I talk about the rest of the actual tournament. Cause I don't want to take away from the men and women athletes. Like, I don't think it's really the men's fault that they're getting this stuff given to them. That's on the NCAA and the people in charge. I want to start off with some matchups to watch for Sunday for both the men's and women's side. So for the women's side, they're just starting their tournament tomorrow. And there's a lot of really intriguing games. I think Florida Gulf Coast and Michigan, a 6-11 game, which is at 3 o'clock on ESPN2, is a really intriguing game. I think Florida Gulf Coast has been playing super well all year on the women's side. 
you know, they went 26 and two on the year. Um, Michigan only played 19 games. So I think that's a super intriguing matchup. Then you go further down in the day and you have Oregon state and Florida state. Um, I think that's going to be a really good game. I don't really expect high point to give UConn um, that much trouble. UConn's always one of the best teams in the tournament Stanford as well. And then one game that I don't think people are going to keep a close eye on, and it might not be the most intriguing matchup, but I'm kind of interested um, in the South Dakota State Syracuse women's game because South Dakota State is 21 and three. Syracuse women are 14 and eight. South Dakota State overall is 21 and three on the year in an eight nine matchup. I really think South Dakota State can win that game, um, so definitely one to keep an eye on there. And then on the men's side, I'm definitely looking at Syracuse, West Virginia. I think that could go both ways. Teams always, for some reason, struggle against Syracuse zone if they haven't seen it before. I think West Virginia will do okay just because of Bob Huggins, and I think he knows um, how to beat it. But Syracuse, for some reason, always sneaks into the tournament and wins a round or two, so they're a team you have to watch out for. Rutgers for Houston, I think, is going to be an absolute dogfight. I think Rutgers could actually upset them, but... Um, Houston's kind of been on a roll lately. And then Oregon State, Oklahoma State really has my uh, eye because Cade Cunningham did not play well in the first game for Oklahoma State. And if he plays like that, Oregon State's been super hot. They knocked off Tennessee. Um, just really great opportunity um, for Oregon State to continue to advance. But Oklahoma State, I think Cade Cunningham is going to come out and play a lot better in this game than he did previously. So I think that, to me, if I had to choose, that would be the game of the day for me personally. Um, but yeah, Oregon State beating Tennessee was definitely um, an upset. They beat them 70-56 uh, just the other day. Um, other upsets, Oral Roberts upsets Ohio State yesterday, 75-72 in overtime, pretty much busting open everyone's brackets on the first, or excuse me, the second day, beating them 75-72 in overtime. Ohio State just did not play well. And then North Texas over Purdue is a pretty big upset. 78-69 in overtime. A lot of really good games. A lot of really close games. Um, bunch of clutch shots. Florida and Virginia Tech was a really good game. Even Iona today gave Alabama a run for their money. USC was able to kind of pull away late over Drake. But just overall, some really good basketball. Um, I mean, just... Looking at the scores right now as I'm recording, I have the TV on in front of me um, with the scores on the top, and I'm watching the UConn game right now. But we have UConn versus Maryland. You have Ohio, Virginia, which I think is going to be a really intriguing game. I think Ohio might actually pull the upset. And right now, Grand Canyon's hanging in there with Iowa 33-26. Um, so some really good games going on, and I'm really excited to get to watch some women's games tomorrow. So it will definitely be intriguing there. And then closing off today's show, we're going to be talking some MLB as spring trainings, you know, really getting going here into full swing. I'm just going to go through just based on what I've seen in spring training so far, how the rosters are constructed, who I think is going to be coming out on top in both the AL and the NL for each division. So I'm going to be starting um, in the AL and just going through uh, each division. So I'm starting with the East with the Yankees. I think they're going to be the number one team when it all said and done. I think the Blue Jays are going to be number two. They just have a lot of super young talent with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette. They were able to bring in George Springer. Um, they really amped 
ramped up their um, pitching. So I think they're going to be really good this year. Tampa Bay Rays, I think they're going to be third. Red Sox fourth, and then the Orioles are just a dumpster fire, so they will be in fifth. In the Central, I really have high expectations for the White Sox. I know they're struggling a little bit here um, in the preseason. I don't think that they're going to finish in first. I still think the Indians or the Twins um, might be towards the top there. I know the Indians are also struggling. But for some reason, the Twins um, kind of stick out to me. I know the Royals are playing really, really well um, in the preseason. And Detroit is also about 500. Um, so if I had to pick, I think I would go with the Twins at 1, the Royals 2, White Sox 3, Indians 4, and the Tigers 5. Then moving on to the West, I think the A's are going to win that division. The A's are always just a sneaky good team every single year. So I'm going to have them at 1. Astros at two, Angels at three. I think it's a little bit high every year. I feel like I'm always talking about them on this podcast because they have Mike Trout, and for some reason they can just never break through. So hopefully this year is the year. Rangers at four, and then the Mariners at five. Moving over to the NL, I think the most competitive division this year is going to be the NL East. Um, The Braves, Mets, and Nationals are all going to be really fighting for that top spot. I really think the Mets made a lot of huge improvements in the offseason. It's really going to come down to their pitching, I think, and they have some of the best pitchers in the game, and they were able to get Francisco Lindor in a trade. Pete Alonso is an absolute animal. I still think the Braves would be my favorites because of how young they are, and they have a really good um, pitching staff. So I'd have the Braves at one, the Mets at two, uh, the Nationals at three, Bryce Harper and the Phillies at four, and the Marlins in five. For the NL Central, I would have the Cardinals and Brewers battling it out for that top spot. I think the Cardinals will come away with that solve. Cardinals won, Brewers two. The Cubs made a lot of questioning moves. We still don't know what's going to happen with Chris Bryant. Um, So I think they're going to be in third. And then I'm going to have the Reds fourth and the Pirates fifth. And then finally in the West, it's definitely the Dodgers to lose. Um... You know, each year they always come out and play really, really well. So it's kind of hard to pick against them. Uh, The Padres, you know, Tatis, Machado, all the arms they got. They got Blake Snell. They're going to compete very hard with the Dodgers. I don't think they're going to be able to go over the top, especially because the Dodgers got Trevor Bauer. Then the Rockies, I'll have them at three. The Diamondbacks at four. And the Giants, I think, are going to be one of the um, not-so-good teams this year. So I'll have them in five. Once the season starts, you know, up, I'll probably do more of a playoff World Series prediction, maybe 10 games in or so. Once we really get to the starting point in MLB, I'm sure I'll be talking about some NHL in the coming weeks as well with the trade deadline coming up. Me and Zach will be back next week with another NBA podcast episode. Um, A lot of intriguing things going on in the NBA as playoffs are really right around the corner. We'll probably dive into that um, pretty deeply, maybe even talk some more NCAA tournament um once we'll be there next week see where teams are on both the men's and women's side but that's gonna do it for today's episode appreciate everyone for tuning in i'll be back again on tuesday this week just based on my work schedule i'll be talking about the bills offseason moves kind of touched upon it here with emmanuel sanders mitch trubisky touch on those moves a little bit more see if the bills make any more moves before then we'll talk about the sabers as they finally fired Ralph Kruger, and they still look like a dumpster fire of an organization so we'll talk about that We'll talk about, you know, some other things going on in Buffalo. We'll talk about the NIT tournament, how UB lost in the first round, and then Bonaventure, unfortunately, lost 
today to LSU as well. So we'll kind of touch upon their seasons and where they're going to be going forward there. But thank you, everyone, once again for tuning in. Appreciate all the support. Once again, if you do not follow me on Instagram, please give me a follow at English Encore Podcast. Probably doing a giveaway here in the next month or so. Um, appreciate all the support over the past few years, and I hope everyone's staying safe and healthy. It's been English Encore Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. Yeah.